0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to another exciting episode of Breaking the Ceiling. I am super happy to invite my next two guests. This is the first time having two guests on uh, screen. And uh, they are the co-founders of a legendary uh, food company called The Bori Kitchen. They are the co-authors of the most quirkiest and the most fun name I've heard, which is How I Quit Google to Sell Samosas. Please welcome Zabia and Munaf. Uh, Both of you, a big welcome to the show. Thank you for taking up the time and, you know, uh, telling us about the story, uh, telling us about your story and the story of Bori Kitchen. Uh, So Breaking the Ceiling has always been about getting to know the people behind the brand, right? So uh, uh, Zabia, I'm going to start with you. Uh, Tell me a little bit about your life before the Bori Kitchen and Munaf, I'll come to you right after that. I'm going to come back to you. Zabia, tell me a little bit about your life before the Bori Kitchen. Okay, so... um...
1: I am a law graduate. Uh, I studied law from the Government Law College in Bombay. And uh, I wanted to work in human rights. I actually want to work in social development. So uh, that's a common theme that runs across the many things that I did after law school. Uh, But the first day after law school, I did corporate law, which I realized wasn't really my thing. Um, And I decided that I don't want to spend more time just biding my time at a corporate law firm just so that I could say that I did. And I joined uh, an NGO called Grotary Foundation, um, where I worked um, in communications, I worked in marketing uh, and uh, corporate collaborations. Uh, after that, I met Munaf, and you know, while we were dating and we got to know each other, and I learned more and more about the work that he was doing at the body Kitchen, I was really keen on, um, you know, have the opportunity, as I saw it, to do something, to take on more responsibility, uh, to be in, uh, you know, a leadership role. And uh, food, I mean, it's food, you know. And I was Bori, so I really got it. I think I was able to relate to a lot of Monash challenges as well. So in 2019, I joined as the marketing and sales Head at the Bori Kitchen.
0: Fantastic. So I've seen a lot of lawyers. I've seen a lot of finance people leaving their jobs, getting into food. So there's something there. I see a lot of techies do the same thing, right? Like they make a lot of money there and then they quit and they come into food. So I think the food always has some attraction towards this. So Munaf, I would love to hear uh, your uh, journey till right before the body Kitchen. So
2: yeah, so I did my MBA. all right, Then I got into Wrigley's to sell chewing gum. Uh, very quickly I realized that uh, gum doesn't excite me that much. So then I got an offer from Google. And that's when I started my career at Google. Uh, I had a fantastic four year stint out there uh, in the sales team where I basically sold ads to the largest uh, advertisers in the finance industry who use Google products. Um, and somewhere in the fourth year, I started this experiment with my mom where I started inviting strangers to my house to eat food made by my mother. And I called it the Bori Kitchen, and I would call them home dining experiences. And uh, somewhere along that journey, I I got the courage to quit my job and I started
0: TBK full-time. And then the rest is in the book. So uh, the book is, I think, something which is, you know, super exciting. And uh, there's just the name is something that, you know, draws me towards the book. So what inspired you uh, to write the book?
2: So uh, for me, the Bori Kitchen was always a story. Uh, In fact, Mm -hmm. there's a chapter inside the book uh, titled Less fb more fnb no, sorry less fnb more fb where i'm basically where we're basically trying to say that the bori kitchen was more about the social media the story the word of mouth the story of the kapadia family and how we're inviting people home how we're trying to evangelize food from our small little community uh, so on and so forth um and at some point, a friend of mine actually planted this idea in my head that Munaf, you've, you spent four, four and a half years running the Bodhi kitchen and now even Zabia is working with you in it. Uh, uh, why don't you take all of that content which you've created in those years and put it in a book? You know, it definitely has an audience. And that's kind of how that idea got planted in my head. And then we met this phenomenal agent called Kanishka Gupta. Uh, who helped us kind of fructify that idea into some sort of structure and then when I finally tried to write the first page in the book I fell asleep Uh, and I realized that uh, while I might be half decent at sending out a whatsapp forward or a facebook post I'm not great at long form content at all Uh, and that's Mm -hmm. when Zabia came in again so she already saved me once by uh, agreeing to head sales at the Bodhi kitchen and it's because of her that we actually hit a respectable number eventually. Uh, but at the same time she saved me again when she said that hey let me do the writing i'm i'm actually good at this uh and i did the conceptualizing and and the actual content and the story behind the book but she came in and she made it uh legible uh and 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 she sorted out the pace and the structure and and so on and so forth
0: fantastic so tell me a little uh, one step back how did you come up with the idea of the bori kitchen like what, what was going through your mind when you said, hey, let me invite strangers into my home, right? So people have been very, uh, you know, fearful of strangers. Like, you know, in India, you always, you know, told like, okay, you know, be careful with strangers. Like, how did that start? And how was those first few experiences that you had of inviting strangers into your home?
2: So uh, for the longest amount of time, well, before the Bori Kitchen started, I've had this guilt complex where mm-hmm. I've been wanting to do something for my mother, which uh, gives her something to do. And, and stay productively kind of employed uh, mm-hmm. uh, because I kept on telling myself that and, and it is true that my mom's given up a lot to raise me and my three siblings and to, you know, uh, take care of the home. So now mm-hmm. that all four of us are finally kind of doing our own thing, uh, mm-hmm. maybe, you know, now we can give her something back to get back into. Um, and it's on that kind of wavelength that one fine day I, I had a fight with my mom because she wasn't letting me watch TV. Uh, that this, I, I just threw this idea at her. That mom, what if we started inviting complete strangers to come home? we just eat your food, uh, and mm-hmm. she obviously did not like the idea. Like, uh, but she she didn't completely refuse, which was the small window I kind of grabbed, and I actually did it, and uh, that's kind of how the the ball started rolling.
0: Fantastic. Uh, how did you come up with the idea of naming it the Bori Kitchen? I mean, I understand it, but. Was there like different names or is this the name that just kind of popped out at you? So, um, that uh,
2: I, I always, so, so while one aspect of the idea was, Hey, I want to do something with mom, a second aspect of the idea is there's actually a gap in the market for food from my community. So everyone mm-hmm. who's eaten food from a Dawoodi Bora home uh, will always rave about it, especially mm-hmm. in Bombay. They will always say things like I'm waiting for my Bori friend's wedding to happen. In fact, they keep on telling Zabia and me this, that we, we hate you guys for not doing one of those big weddings. Because everyone wants to come there and eat from the Bori Thal and eat that food. Um, And my mom happens to be the best Bori chef out there. So uh, I was like, hey, we'll do food at my house, but it will be Bori food made by my mother. The name, the Bori Kitchen, uh, actually was just, it started with that name. It wasn't one of those things where I had to think about a name, etc. No, I knew from day one that I would be calling it that. And actually, it's really interesting. I I don't know where that originated. I just knew that I would call it the Bori Kitchen.
0: That is, I think, a, a wonderful way of bringing food, community. And you know that I, and I think it started out as a community, right? I mean, it's, I'm assuming and guessing it was word of mouth, right? Because I don't remember ever seeing an ad for the Bori Kitchen. It was always like me and my friends talking, oh, let's go there. Because it's an experience to be had. Right? So when you uh, started this out, what kind of challenges did you face? Um, so
2: with home dining. Uh, before Zabia joined the business, even, uh, in the first few years, some of the, cha- the like the first biggest challenge I faced is my, my father did not want me to charge people to come home and eat food. He's like, invite how many people you want, feed them food, but you can't charge them money for it. Right. Uh, but that didn't work for me, not because I wanted the money, but because, uh, for someone to respect the brand and respect what we're trying to do, they have to pay something for it. Uh, so so that was the first challenge, the way we circumvented it is I just lied to my dad uh, the, the first few times and eventually when he saw uh, what we were trying to do and he got sold on the concept, he's like, okay, cool, just do it. I mean, the money was insignificant. The second uh, biggest issue we faced, and I'll stop out here, the second biggest issue was inviting strangers, like you said, Ashwin, which is I'm letting random people come into my house and, and you know, and into my personal space. Um, the way we dealt with this is by creating something called the no serial killer policy, which is uh, when you can't book a seat at the Bori kitchen, you have to request the seat. And when you mm-hmm. request the seat, we request you for information. So we'll ask you to tell us who you are, how did you find out about us? Do you have any common friends or acquaintances with anyone in the family or someone who's been at our place, you know, mm-hmm. so on and so forth. And only when you share that information with us and we feel comfortable about having you over, that we okay. confirm. Your request. And that single little trick uh, actually did wonders for us because not only have we never had an untoward incident, but uh, the kind of people who come to my house are phenomenal.
0: And that is that is just absolutely stunning. And I mean, I could never imagine inviting random people in. I think that showed a lot of uh, courage, showed I think the big hearted nature of you and your family. Uh, so Zabia, when uh, when did you decide? Like, which year did you decide to join Bori Kitchen? And when you did, what were the challenges that you faced? I'm very sure you know he had when he started, he had a certain set of challenges. Or when you came in, you're probably facing a completely different set of challenges. Can you kind of understand? Yeah, that? sure.
1: So um, I joined in 2019, Jan of 2019, and uh, you know I, I joined as head of marketing and sales without any real formal education and either. But I also believe that's something that uh, you know that can be learned hands-on, and that's what I was hoping to do. And one thing that you know Munaf said to me that made a lot of sense: that bori food is in our DNA. We understand it. You know, we've grown mm-hmm. up with it, so we get how to. And actually, it comes instinctively to know how to market it. You know, to what it's, its selling points really are. So that's something that really worked. Uh, uh, you know, for me when I when I joined and I had to take on this responsibility. And also, uh, I, I knew a lot about how the company worked. I knew a lot about what had worked for the Buri Kitchen in the past. So I had some background on, you know, what this brand is all about. Because um, Marath and I used to talk about it all the time. Um, but having said that, obviously, the first, you know, couple of months, uh, they were challenging. Because I was, I had, you know, I had to manage so many people with something that I was new to. I'd never been in a managerial position. I had always been managed by someone else. So I had to manage a small team. It was a small team, but, you know, still, like delegating work is is easier said than done. You know, uh, that's something that I, I kind of, I think, initially struggled with, which is you want to do everything on your own because you think you're so good at, you know, you have a vision for what you want to do. And when it comes to communications and making creatives and marketing and, you know, strategy, all of that, um, allowing other people to do it was challenging for me. Also, um, you know, a lot of self-doubt, constantly second-guessing every move that you're making because Munaf had already done so much with the brand when it came to marketing and branding. He had done such a great job that it was a pretty tall order for me to, you know, live up to because now we had five outlets that we were marketing instead of, you know, home dining and the central kitchen. But uh, it with, you know, the funding had just come in, we now had marketing budgets. So um, I had to really, like, up the ante, but luckily... Munaf and I, you know, that's something that I think worked in our favor being in a relationship, I guess, because we were able to talk about this in a very sort of a, you know, our exchanges were very, we, we didn't uh, hold back, like Munaf never held back with me. We used to just we used to talk about it all the time. We used to discuss, like, ideas. Something, start, something would stick, something wouldn't stick. And, you know, that, so it, it made it easier for me to transition. And I think after the first three months, I found my life and I was, I had a great time, like, you know, um, we had a great team that we were working with. So my challenges were primarily in the first couple of months where it was really just, you know, constantly asking myself that is this the right thing to do? Like, you know, am I am I doing everything by the book? Like, if, if I had an MBA in marketing, would I be doing this any better? So, yeah, that's
0: it. Gunaf, uh, tell me uh, about a proud moment, uh, you know, that you shared or you created at... Uh... So,
2: so there were quite a few. Um, at one point in time, every few weeks we had a milestone and, and, and it was insane, but like one of the biggest moments was when Rishi Kapoor came to my house, like definitely. Um, uh, I still remember, all right, so when he came, uh, he came with Rashmi Uday Singh and uh, I think she WhatsApp me saying that, hey, we are almost there, so I went downstairs to get them up on, on our, so we don't even have a lift in, in our 80, 90 year old building. Uh, so I just went downstairs to get them up and, and his, his fancy car came and he came outside and, and, uh, one of the tenants of the building was walking past and he just like, he, he, he did a double back and I'm like, Hey, listen, I just quickly go outside. Um, and, and they both came and just, it was amazing. It was, it was, it was a really cool feeling because it was very grounded, you know? So, so they just came and they were just like, like really cool, fun people. Uh, they came home. They had a fantastic time. And, and and the look on my parents' face, okay, my mother, for my mom, I think Rishi Kapoor was like a, a childhood heartthrob type, yeah. So so it was really cool. And for my dad as well, he's like, wow, okay, very cool. So Rishi Kapoor, when he came and the conversation and just the way he ate and then the photographs that uh, he took, it was really cool. And he then evangelized the business. And that's what I loved about it, you know. So I've, I've seen a lot of people doing fantastic PR where they get celebrities. But with the Bori Kitchen, Mm. we never did PR. We never had a PR team. It was just something we did as what came naturally to us. Mm. So uh, when I saw these guys come home and then they stayed in touch with me, uh, that blew me away. That told me that what we are doing uh, with TBK is actually something that should survive a lifetime. If it has that kind of an impact on its clientele.
0: So I'm very glad to hear that you know your your Patrons become your fans, then they become your marketing, right? They become evangelists, they drive people. And I think that word of mouth is a very, very strong, maybe very underrated technique, but a very strong technique. If you want to grow your brand, you just do a fantastic job. You have fantastic hospitality. And I think the other thing, I mean, the growth will kind of take care of itself. But that may have been when you were at home. Does that same work now that you are at multiple outlets? Are you seeing the same thing or is it, oh, you have to also do social media and you have to do all the other things or is still word of mouth, your largest multiplier? So, um,
2: so we went through a very cool journey. All right. So, so when we were in, in 2018, 2019 and a little bit of 2020, mm-hmm. uh, when we were chasing scale mm-hmm. through our delivery business, business, uh, and we had like Xavier said, five outlets, almost six outlets. Mm-hmm. Uh, at one stage, we were doing 200 orders per day oh, wow. in December. Yeah. Wow. Uh, and uh, that was on the back of a very structured, organized ROI positive, you know, marketing plan that Zabia was executing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was working very closely with Swiggy and Zomato and investing on those platforms, but in a smart manner, uh, getting the right visibility, you know, uh, chasing frequency and retention of your mm-hmm. customer, mm-hmm. but doing it in, I would say in a sort of impersonal manner. Mm-hmm. In fact, uh, uh, Zed and I would keep on having debates about how I wanted to keep on uh kind of uh, making our social media unorganized. But she had to literally, you know, struggle to make me understand that that's fine when you're trying to get 20, 40 people to come to your house once in a month. Mm. But if you're trying to chase scale, you need to show people food. You need to commoditize your messaging slightly. You need to invest and drive visibility and traffic and, you know, Mm. generate those clicks. Mm. Um, And that was a kind of a reality check we got. But now, today, okay, uh, we've kind of circled back. So we went through that stage and then because of the lockdown and various other reasons, and we couldn't raise our second round of funding, I went bankrupt again for almost the second time in my life. Uh, And uh, this time around, I was going to raise the white flag. I was going to shut everything down and move on in life. Mm -hmm. But again, Zabia and then Kadir who heads our delivery operations, Mm -hmm. um, they convinced me that Munaf, this might actually be an opportunity to go back Mm -hmm. to what you like doing best. Mm So today. We've gone back from, you know, doing 200 orders per day at a 400 rupee AOV to doing 200 orders, 300 orders in a month, okay. but at a 2,000, 3,000 rupee AOV. Now we don't do on demand deliveries. We do pre-orders only. Mm-hmm. So now we are back in that personal game. Okay. So when you have 300 customers in a month, you actually speak to each customer. Okay. And uh, so you could say we are kind of in between uh, a delivery business and what we used to do at my house in terms mm-hmm. of our marketing
0: strategy. now. Mm-hmm i think that is a phenomenal comeback story because as an entrepreneur there's so many times when you are hit with so many different hurdles that you can't see the way forward and it's the people around you or the people right next to you are the ones who kind of pull you off of that mental ditch if you want to call it that right and i think having that support system and having those kind of co-founders and teammates is invaluable you know, I was doing an interview uh, where I was being interviewed last week for some, you know, by somebody and they asked me like, they're like, Ashwin, what is the secret sauce at Equinox right? Like, you know, you guys are growing fast. Like, What is the secret sauce? Uh, I said, it's culture, it's our people and our culture It's the kind of team that we have, the kind of people that we have on board and the kind of culture we've created it is the same thing. Like last April and May, as an organization, we were shut, right? And we were a sizable company, sizable company getting shut down for two months. Was a very very painful thing to do, but in that downtime, we were able to rebrand, re-strategize, and come up with something more stronger. We created a very uh, cool tech product. No no lab creates tech stuff. Now today we have a twenty people tech team, and we, you know we reinvented ourselves. But that downtime actually helped you know pull us through. The people around us kind of helped you know pull us through as well. So I think that that's fantastic. So, uh, Zabia, can you tell me about any upcoming things, any upcoming projects that you have? You know, you guys are planning anything that you can share, anything new that you guys, anything new in the pipeline?
1: Um, with respect to the Bori Kitchen, I would say that um, currently, actually, since we, have you know, we've we've kind of gone from running five outlets to shutting down for a considerable amount of time, and now we've just started pre-orders again. So. um... I mean, it's not been too long. It's not been, it's, it's not like it happened two months ago. It's been about six, seven months. We're finally feeling confident again to, um, you know, maybe to pop up in the city, in different cities. Because we get queries daily on whether home dining experiences are up and running. And unfortunately, considering the situation, doing it at home for a very long time is not going to be something that we do. So, um, I think, um, you know, we're going to find some venue partners and we'll be doing our Thal experiences, hopefully, um, you know, soon around the city. And if, um, you know, like bandwidth allows, we'd also go to cities like Puna, um, you know, um, cities maybe in, in Gujarat, places that we can, our team can get to um, very easily because we have done this in the past and we've executed all of this really well. So, I'm really looking forward to doing that again, doing caterings and doing events.
0: So I think yeah. you have a cult-like following anyways, right? So I'm very yeah. sure that city you do it in, there'll be people lining up for, you know, for that experience and people lining up for their food, right? And I think oh, when gosh. you have a cult like this, you should definitely you know, try and satisfy those people because it shouldn't be I had it and then with 10 years later, I didn't have it, right? So if something mm-hmm. does pop up, I'm very sure people will, uh, you know, come and find you guys. And, you know, I think that's a fantastic mm-hmm. way forward. I'm looking forward to any of those that you're doing. I'm, I'll look for it on your social media to find out. Oh,
1: for sure, right? for sure. I want to
0: express this for you. If you could go back and tell your 20 year old self three things, what would that, what were the three things be?
2: All right. Uh, uh, there's so much. Uh, first, uh, look up Zabia Rajputwala and call her. <laughs> All right. Uh, second, uh, 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 learn to meditate. Mm right, early on in life, uh, get a grip on your mind and your thoughts uh, and uh, just the benefits that that offers. And third, um, start the first kitchen uh, faster. So so like a lot of people ask me this question that what's the one thing you would have changed with the Bori kitchen if you could go back in time and it's, this is the only thing. like. When I started post funding, when I set up our first kitchen, I just took too much time. Mm. I took almost uh, seven months to set up our first kitchen after we got money because I struggled to find the right place and then decide how much I want to invest and licenses and so on and so forth. It was was a headache for someone who was trying to do it properly for the first time.
1: Uh,
2: And I just wish I had done it faster and made some mistakes and then learned from those mistakes and pivoted faster. Because actually, in hindsight, I had the money to do it with mm-hmm. the money I had bought, I raised, but I just did not have the conviction to do it. So uh, if I could, have changed that one thing. And I would tell my younger self to be wary of that.
0: Awesome. Uh, what is the one hidden superpower that you think you have?
2: Is that for me or for Zabia?
0: For so you and Ananda Zabia, exactly the same question.
2: Um, one hidden superpower that I think I have... I think I'm really good at building castles in the sky, right? Uh, I'm very, very good at taking a step back and actually envisioning the real potential for something. Uh, When a lot of people around me, for some reason, I I have noticed can't, uh, uh, so I'm very good at that. I'm good at removing those blinders, zoning out, but fantasizing without any limitations. Uh, and without letting anyone sort of dissuade me, demotivate me, so on and so forth.
0: I think that is a fantastic superpower to have. And as a leader of an organization, I think that's one of the primary things that determines the success of a company, right? I mean, if as founders, co-founders, if you don't have that, then what are you working towards? And or if you have it and you have it in a very small way, mm-hmm. because if you aim for just the sky, you will you know, fall somewhere in between. If you aim for the stars, you'll at least fall on the moon, right? Nabi, uh, I have the same question to you. What What is your hidden superpower?
1: So, you know, it's so funny because the thing that I thought of, like, that's the first thing that popped into my head before Munafi even spoke is the exact opposite of what he said. <laughs> which is that I, I think, and I think that's why we work as a team, which is, I feel like um, I can be really grounded and focused. Um, I don't get distracted by um, with when it comes to work and you know even our personal lives. Um, I like doing things in a very focused, practical, sort of reasonable, rational manner. Um, I can't do what Manav does and I really envy that also, you know, where he can, he just, he can imagine like his imagination's greatest power to like think 10, 20 steps ahead is great. But I focus on the task at hand. And for me, it's more important that the five things that we have on our list get done. It's more important to me than what we do, you know, like, um, 10, 20 steps down the line. So, yeah. um, and I'm good at being able to focus on that. You know, I don't get distracted by the other
0: things. So I think the the dynamic duo. This is why the dynamic duo works, right? Because you need somebody to think big. You also need somebody to get the job done. Like one is thinking big, but somebody has to do it. Yeah. So yeah, I. Yeah. Remember, uh, so by the way, many people don't know this publicly. My co-founder is actually my wife. Right? Okay. She's a doctor. She quit medicine. She joined Equinox. So it's me. Uh, eight years ago, you know, I went in front of the whole company and said, "Oh, we are now starting Equinox Center, this huge facility." You know, I make a big announcement, and then after that, I don't even see the facility, and it gets made. Like Priyanka went down; she got the whole thing done. You know, she worked with everyone, she got the facilities set up, she got the team set up. You know, so but it's always important. And she says the same thing: Hey, there has to be somebody who thinks big, right? Like who thinks like 10x. Like uh, our plan for this year is growing 10x in two years. Wow. So that's a huge thing to think of. But now, again, it's me and the team, She, all of us, you know, coming together, like, how do you execute it? It's great to have that, you know, big vision and adulterated version of your future. But it's very, very important to have somebody, you know, either a co-founder or team who helps execute on it. So I think uh, kudos to both of you, you know, for having a large vision and being able to, you know, uh, pull it off. It's a, it's a skill in itself. So, javier tell me a little bit about your work-life balance. Do you have one are you craving one what does uh, that look
1: like actually i'm i'm a really yeah. balanced person i'm very well <laughs> so for me work life like my work is great and life also must be great so i draw that line uh it, it's, a, it's a very um, clear line for like wherever i've worked and to be honest i am also a very uh, i feel like I'm, I'm very efficient so i i kind of turbocharged like when I'm sitting to work, I get a lot of work done in very little time. And then the rest of the time I used to do whatever else I want. And then that in turn feeds the work that I actually do. So yeah, I don't uh, spend do, own- hours. Right? I do. Yeah, yeah.
0: You can say, are you happy with your work life balance? I'm
1: very happy. Yeah, yeah. I can work so
0: As life. an entrepreneur, being able to say that out loud and actually have a work life balance, I think in, in itself is a large achievement. Munaf, you know, what about you?
1: You know, honestly, uh-huh. yeah. I would just like to add that that's also because Munaf does more work than life. And then I, I balance it out by doing more life than work. And we also, in, in the relationship, maintain that dynamic. Because I, I think that also matters. So, what has to life? <laughs>
0: of course you have to. So Munaf, what about you? she you sound like a full-blown workaholic.
2: No, no, so this is this is one of the reasons why I would tell my younger self to have called Zahavya earlier, because uh, she's definitely showed me that, you know, the importance of uh, uh, balancing life with work. And I would actually say uh, the weight should be more on life and less on work. Um, uh, like... I was terrible when it came to TBK uh, at, at the Bori Kitchen, I, I just like work all the time and, and, and you know, workaholic, I really feel is, it's, it's, it's not the right term because it implies that you're working really hard and you're just working all the time. But actually, uh, I mean, at least if, if I would comment on myself, it wasn't that I was working all the time, it just I was thinking about work all the time. Mm. So in, in terms of output and productivity, I was not really delivering like 24 hours worth of work, just that I was so distracted mm. and I did not have the skill set or the ability or the right non-work distractions in my life mm. that I was just thinking about work all the time. And I would even argue that sometimes that makes you less productive, you know, so, uh, so yeah, so in fact, uh, uh, with the Bori Kitchen, I was that person. Now today, I, I, TBK is going on, the book has happened and I even had had like a behemoth delivery business for one of the largest F&B businesses in the country, McDonald's. Uh, uh, and I'm actually, I have much better work-life balance than I've ever had in
0: my life. So that was actually going to be my next question that, hey, I also heard that you're heading, you know, uh, delivery for McDonald's. How did that come along and all this and how can you manage all these things? So you have to be working ridiculously hard to be able to do all these different things, right? Like you took our time to write the book. Obviously, mm-hmm. you, you, know, you all had to do that. Run TBK and McDonald's, how is that working out?
2: So uh, how did it happen? It, it, it happened by fluke almost okay. uh, in, in in the sense that uh, around the time I was like, you know, uh, TBK is shutting down. I can't do this anymore. The, the pandemic hit us. Mm. We just got married and, and I was like, shit, you know, now I need to be a little more responsible uh, about finances and so on and so forth. Uh, so I started consulting. Mm. And uh, and like touch wood, you know, like a lot of good people who are interested in in, uh, listening to me and taking my advice. I would call it entrepreneurial therapy, uh, where uh, other entrepreneurs or high level executives could talk to me about what they're pursuing and help them structure it and and, then find a solution to their problem with them. Uh, The irony was it was therapeutic for me. To actually listen to other entrepreneurs or, you know, uh, professionals and, and mm-hmm. learn about the problems they are facing. It, it helped me deal with that stage in my life. Um, and while I was doing that, I randomly had a conversation with the promoters at McDonald's. And uh, I discovered that, uh, you know, they're trying to build a startup within McDonald's, which is their digital sales business. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they needed someone entrepreneurial to run that. And that just sounded bloody exciting. Uh, so, I, I jumped on it and, and it's been an insane journey uh, uh, and, and I've got to learn, I've, I've got to apply everything I've learned at the Bori Kitchen with the advantages of the muscle behind McDonald's. Uh, so, that's that's crazy.
0: So, you're able to take the skills, whatever your learnings are and now I think I'm assuming McDonald's has given you a bigger canvas to paint on, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's much bigger, much bigger. by the way, when you said entrepreneurial therapy, I could just picture myself on a couch, you are sitting behind on a chair and we say Munaf and sharing some. So, so really cool thing right? for, an
2: for an entrepreneur, there are two types of therapy, right? one is obviously just regular old therapy, go to a counselor and, and you do what you said, but what I discovered and it's, it's basically what I like for me, the best kind of therapy is if someone talks to me about my ideas. Hmm. and helps me uh, structure them, helps me actually make sense out of them. And then helps me find the next step. So while I have the large idea in mind, I also have my next action item in mind. And then I think a a lot of uh, high level, you know, leaders and entrepreneurs, their source of stress is that it's that they've had this huge idea but they are stuck. They don't know how to move ahead. So that's that, that conversation with, with someone like me or anyone else, you know, who's kind of done something similar really helps
0: or people like us. So that actually brings me right on to my next question, which was, uh, have you had mentors in your life who have helped you shape it or improve it?
2: I've had multiple mentors. Uh, I'm that guy who's always asking for help. And and it's a good thing I learned somewhere along the line. Uh, mm-hmm. And I've been very lucky because everyone's just said yes. Uh, so whether it's Riaz Amlani, you know, from Impresario, or it is uh, Romil Ratra, you know, who's currently uh, uh, heading Gravis, uh, mm-hmm. or uh, just so many people, my father himself, but in very different circumstances. So yeah. one lesson I've learned is, see, again, a lot of people ask me this question, who's your idol, uh, or who's your mentor, uh, to which my answer is that I have different mentors for different things. You know, like for example, Zabia for me is a mentor for a certain aspect of my life.
1: Really?
2: Uh, my father's a mentor for a different aspect and someone like Riaz or Rommel or, you know, various other people, they are mentors for a different aspect. Of life.
0: And I think it's very important to have mentors in your life because, and people, you know, who've done that before, like whatever you're trying to do and could be different, different things, you know, who've done that before, who've learned all those skills and were taking the time out to share it with you it's absolutely critical and over the last 15 years i have had you know eight different mentors for different kinds of things but all of them have maybe sometimes just taught me one little thing right uh, so something like my pr skills i got from devita sara from VU. some of my uh, social media skills or you no know, like now i'm getting a little more uh, social media centric, uh, Pooja Dingra from Lay 50, you know she's fantastic. You know she she kind of mentors me. Okay, do this, don't do this. And many many different people like Dr. Velumani mm-hmm. uh, you know from Thyrocare, Kevin of Thyrocare. Uh, by the way, they just turned as a one billion dollar company yesterday. Mm-hmm. Right? So he has been mentoring me on growth. And also you know, so all these mentors they play such a significant role in you know your life and could be a personal life or professional life. And I, as a person, I'm I'm so glad that I have mentors. I have become mentors to so many different people and it's such a fulfilling thing to do, you know, contributing to somebody else's success and having the humility to ask for help. Many times entrepreneurs are stuck with this thing like I'm the founder, I should know all the answers. Right. And I can't go ask for help. How will it look? But I don't think those people make it too far. Right. I mean, asking for help is such a a simple task. And if you ask the right person in the right context, nobody says no, because people also want that satisfaction of helping somebody. It's so nice to help somebody, it makes you feel good right yeah. so I think uh, Zapia, have you had any mentors in your life who have kind of shaped it
1: Um, I I wouldn't say that I've had Um, I mean there have been lots of people obviously that have inspired me and I think uh, uh, a lot of them have been people uh, that I've not really known or, you know, they've, if they've inspired me in ways that they don't really know if, if they're even uh, like you know my own parents or um, my sister for example who's also an entrepreneur and Munaf like always for um, you know, just the kind of zest he has. But I've always, I always, I have turned to books. That's my uh, form of like a mentorship program. I enjoy reading and I enjoy reading uh, biographies. I enjoy reading books. Um, you know, just, um, I mean, they're called self help, self improvement books. But I find so much science and logic and good research in these books now that I feel like there's anything that I want to get better at or I feel like I need help with, I would turn to a book. Like I find a book on the subject and I read it.
0: I, I the way i look at books and especially autobiographies right yeah. is you are getting a quick such, such a quick and interesting view in somebody else's life like if you read the book on elon musk or tata yeah. or anyone like just by reading that book it's imagine the person sitting there and telling you this as a story it's such a powerful way of you know learning and improving yourself
1: yeah completely
0: uh, Muna, what is your idea plan for TBK, yourself, for your family, for your company, what yeah. does five years down look like for you? What are you planning?
2: So, for the Bori kitchen, uh, it's to just make it um, something that survives another pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, it's it's um, it's just I'm trying to build a foundation for the Bori kitchen that can outlast anything. Uh, and it's, it's very difficult and, and I, I really hope we manage to do that, but that's the goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, that's TBK. Yeah. Uh, personally, uh, I'm just trying to, uh, find my sort of next, uh, kind of passion, uh, uh, like, like in the sense that I think I've now outgrown the body cushion in terms of what I can do and what I want to do, mm. which is why McDonald's is such a fantastic fit. Mm. So I'm going through that journey now, uh, where it's, it's been a year mm. okay, since I've joined McD, it's, it's been a great year. Um, and, uh, I'm finding myself and I'm finding what really now, motivates me like i used to be motivated five six years back when i started the bori kitchen and uh, as a family uh, so it's it's uh i mean we got married and, and then the pandemic happened uh so it's 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 been uh, marriage but under a roof literally we we haven't got to do half the things that we had planned like yeah. traveling being the single biggest uh, one yeah. uh, so i'm really looking forward to enabling that uh, as now we are getting vaccinated and all of that's falling into place uh, so that's what kind of, uh, the two of us are really looking forward to.
0: And, uh, Munaf, what kind of advice would you give a person who is entering the food business now? Like, let's say I'm a 20, 22 year old and or 25 year old and I'm entering the food business. What kind of advice would you give a new entrant in the food business?
2: So, uh, one is, I mean. It's very difficult to give advice, you know, and in, in this industry right now, to be honest, uh, and then I don't want to sound like someone who can, uh, for example, what I would say with the information I have today is that don't jump into a restaurant. You know, I hate saying that, but that's unfortunately the situation, mm-hmm. don't jump into anything where you have fixed costs, uh, very large, significant fixed costs. And you depend on, uh, people physically coming to your space. Mm-hmm. For another two years, wait for two years and then jump into it. I'm sure things will be better at that point in time. Uh, but if you're doing food and you're passionate about it, delivery is crazy, right? All right. And and there's a huge kind of scope within delivery to do what we are now doing with the Bori Kitchen, which is don't get lost in the pre in, in the on-demand game of 300, 400 rupees, unless you're planning on opening another McDonald's, which is you'll have 200, 300 kitchens like Beirut's, Biryani, McDonald's, XYZ. That's a different game. But if you're a new entrepreneur and you have limited capital and, and you're doing it because you really care about the food that you want to sell and, you know, you have recipes in mind and it's about flavor and taste, um, there's a huge opportunity for higher AOV, you know, pre-order uh, delivery food. Uh, and, uh, and and that's a lot less capex intensive. So if you can figure that out, that, that's that's, I think, an exciting place to be
0: because I know so many people who are getting, you know, excited about this space and entering the space. And I think they're entering without any kind of mentorship. They're entering without any kind of, you know, a laid down path. Uh, and I think there's a large opportunity. So when you said entrepreneurial therapy, or you know, you're a consultant, so I think, I, I hope you have not shut down that part of work, because I know so many new people who would need something that way, like a holding hand, a mentor, you know, mentor figure who can help them understand, hey, here are the steps, you have to take to start this. year. know, here are the steps you take to grow your brand, right? So it was fantastic having both of you over, you uh, know, on the show. So thank you both of you so much for taking out the time and you know joining me on the show. It was amazing to get to know both of you. The brand office is popular, but I had not gotten the chance to know both of you. So fantastic. Thank you for sharing a lot of the personal stories here in the pre-meeting. I got to know both of you so much better. And I wish you both the very best. And for all our viewers, there is going to be a link to the book in the description. It is a fantastic book. It is a must read for anyone, not just starting a restaurant, but anyone who wants to be inspired by a good story wants to be inspired by what people can achieve in life i think it's an absolute must read and thank you both of you one more time and have a fantastic life ahead thank you as well thanks for having us